Hey there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this is I Will Fight You, a podcast where we've been turning opinion into stone-cold fact since 1986. Today's fact, like wolves into Yellowstone Park, swashbuckler <laughs> movies must be reintroduced into the wild. <laughs> uh, it's the Mask of Zorro, folks. We're just keeping that Antonio Banderas train going. Kit has basically decided that 2023 is the year of Antonio, so... yes. We're here for it. We may just keep this going an interview with the vampire. <laughs> I'm up for it. So this is going to be 1998's Mask of Zorro, not to be confused with any of the other myriad Zorro projects, of which there are so many. So many. Uh, Zorro's been around a while, folks. Yep. <laughs> Since 1919. Yeah, gosh. So Zorro's a vigilante. Like, we should probably just, like, explain Zorro for the youths. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know the Scarlet Pimpernel? No, that's too old. No reference. Okay. Okay, so kids on the TikTok. You know Batman? <laughs> you know the movie that Batman went to go see with his parents the night they died? That's Zorro. Zorro is... <laughs> the extent to which Batman is based on Zorro is, is very blatant the more you learn about Zorro. Not to be confused with the time that Batman and his family went to go see a great ghost movie, which is a different series of references. <laughs> yes. But Zorro was a pulp character that first appeared in 1919, got adapted into a movie basically immediately in 1920 with the Mark of Zorro. That's the movie that also introduced like the mask and the cape and the hat and everything, which Zorro didn't have before that point. And the guy who wrote the books was like, actually, that's a good idea. I'm going to keep doing these with that element. He proceeded to keep writing Zorro books for the next 40 years. The last one was in 1959. Yeah, Zorro been around. Yeah, and then there have been, like, uh, TV shows, radio plays, comics, it's, it's everything. Zorro's yeah. been everywhere. Zorro was one of Disney's really, really successful earlier television projects. You'll see it on, say, certain archives or something. Uh, actually, Disney Plus presently has three seasons of their Zorro series, which, like, that and Davy Crockett was what really gave them a lot of funding. Watch it now, because they may not be around for long. <laughs> Apparently! <laughs> huh? What's going on? Disney is merging Disney Plus with Hulu and then removing a oh, bunch of stuff ooh. from both platforms. Yeah. Oh, boy. It's the same kind of thing that some of the other streaming platforms have been doing where they're removing, like, stuff that has only existed on the service. Ah, okay. Yeah. Oh, boy. Zorro is your mass vigilante. He fought off the... Uh, Diego de la Vega was the character native to Mexico. He's Spanish. He is another Spaniard. Okay. It's very funny because the entire time that Zorro was a Spanish character, he was played by actors who were well, not Spanish, Douglas Fairbanks being the first one. Then finally, they get a Spanish actor, Antonio Banderas, to play Zorro, but also it's a version of the character who's not Spanish, but Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> Zorro basically fights around the time of Santa Ana, the period of time in which the Spanish still had a substantial amount of land in North America in colonies. Basically fought against, like, the gentry in the interest of the common man, that whole shtick. Yep. Mostly in Alta California, which was the big, big, big part of Western America that used to belong to Spain, and then belonged to Mexico, and then belonged to the U.S. after that. Yeah, so you're looking at a very interesting period of North American history. That's the time in which Zorro is set. Uh, <laughs> there are some interesting historical touchstones in this movie in particular that we'll get into that are quasi unrelated to Zorro Zorro, but there's some weird shit in here, y'all. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I have some notes. <laughs> awesome. 
So I have a list. I just have a section here that's just production facts because I found oh, out some like, <laughs> get this, y'all. So this movie comes out in 1998, but it was in and out of development hell since 1992. And it changed hands a lot. And just here's a bullet point of persons of interest who were involved in this project over time and then weren't involved by the time the movie actually came out. So, like, we had Steven Spielberg initially producing and potentially directing. He dropped out at some point. Joel Gross, who did a rewrite of the screenplay because he had impressed with his recent screenplay for 1993's The Three Musketeers. <laughs> which you can tell. Originally cast as Diego de la Vega is Sean Connery, because I guess being an immortal Egyptian Spaniard worked really well in Highlander. <laughs> We end up on a definitely not Hispanic actor for Diego de la Vega, a.k.a. Zorro, but oh, Sean Connery, though. Also considered for Diego de la Vega, Raul fucking Julia. Of course! Why not? He passed away. Ah, that would explain it. <laughs> yeah, because remember... Street Fighter, his final role came out in 1994. So this uh. thing has been mired in hell for several years at this point. But apparently Raul Julia, the way it's written, it says that he passed away before he could take the role, which probably means that he would have been all for it, which, oh my God, can you imagine Raul <laughs> Julia Zorro? <laughs> so good. Ah, the road not taken. Oh, and the final name is Robert Rodriguez, who had signed on to direct with Antonio Banderas in the lead. Like, he cast him because they had both recently completed 1995's Desperado together. <laughs> I was about to say. Yeah. <laughs> but then Robert Rodriguez eventually pulls out like a year or two later after budget negotiations falling apart because he wanted like more money to make this movie and the studio did not. <laughs> Which is hilarious because they went up massively over budget anyway. So this movie, I believe, had a budget somewhere in the 90 millions, which back then was a very expensive movie. The dust would eventually settle with the people being attached to this movie as Martin Campbell, who is the director, who turned down directing Tomorrow Never Dies in order to make <laughs> Mask of Zorro. Because this is the guy who directed Goldeneye and Casino <laughs> fucking Royale. You can tell. <laughs> you can tell. This is definitely a guy who has directed Pierce Brosnan. And then the writers, the screenplay would get credits from Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio, who are writing partners whose IMDb lists writing credits for the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, The Road to El Dorado, Aladdin, and the Shrek movies. <laughs> That's a range. Boy, howdy. <laughs> There's also writing credits here for somebody named John Escow, which just has like four credits and no major like IMDb presence. But they also gave a writing credit to Johnson McCauley, who's been writing Zorro movies since, you know, 1920. Yep. <laughs> With the mark of Zorro. <laughs> so I don't know if he was, I mean, he, he lived until his 80s. I don't know if he was involved in any, like, direct screenplay adaptations or if it's just sort of a, like, hello, thank you. I don't know. I think they could just couldn't rule out that at some point they went through a big pile of notes of his. So they decided mm. to give him a credit to be sure. <laughs> you know, that seems like covering your bases. There's a really good, like, swashbuckler movie pedigree here. <laughs> I'm going to be mad forever about Raul Julia. Yeah, that would have been really good. And also Robert Rodriguez would have been so good for this. Holy <laughs> shit. 
those are all my fun facts about the production of this movie. Okay. When we actually start in on this thing, you start with a Z slash because you gotta. You gotta, though. You gotta. You gotta. You get the Z slash or the Z slash in my language, and then you get like the, the text intro that points out it's, it's 1821. Santa Ana has taken over Mexico and is moving in on Alta California. This is very bad for the guy who's currently running Alta California, Don Rafael, who, <laughs> who has apparently decided to take care of a few things before he flees the country. And that's where our movie starts. Quick note, the Z slash is it's the Zora thing. It's, it's the Zora thing. He has his sword. He cuts a Z into the fabric or the wood or something because that's the mark. That's the mark of Zorro is the, it's the Z because it stands for Zorro. <laughs> yep. Zorro is fox in Spanish, by the way. Yeah, it's Zorro. <laughs> anyway, the peasants are revolting and they're calling for blood and I'm here for it. They've always been revolting, Prince, but now they're rebelling. Sorry, the version that I was watching, by which I mean a version that I totally downloaded legally from the internet, don't ask questions, Yes, had like problems with the audio, so every so often the audio would just cut out, and somehow it always cut out like the best part. So as it focused in on like the commoners like shouting, suddenly mm-hmm. they just counted out, so I just saw all these people with their mouths open, and that was my first experience of it just cutting out the noise, and I just want to say that it delighted me. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, Don Raphael is about to execute three people. They're tied to poles. Just random people. Don't worry about it. Just just three random people. Just dudes. Just dudes. Someone even clarifies later. Genuinely random people. We find out that they were just three peasants he pulled out of the crowd earlier. Just a really, just a final fuck you, frankly. Yeah, they're about to be executed by a firing squad, and there's an environmental detail I enjoy, which is that the wall behind the area where these guys are tied up is just pocked with bullet holes. <laughs> it's very <laughs> just good. a little environmental detail to let you know how many people get executed under this regime on a regular basis. We meet these two young boys who have cut little zigzags into fabric, because, because it's a Zorro movie, you cut the zigzag in, in order to watch through an undertaker's cart, essentially, to try and see this whole revolt slash execution. And like, an undertaker in a top hat is like, fellas, fellas, don't, I don't want to make boy coffins, will you just leave? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, specifically, he made coffins for their parents. And meanwhile, the kids are like, are you kidding? Zoro's definitely gonna show up. Everyone knows he's gonna show up. <laughs> they love it. I love that it's just like, people are just like, listen, Zoro's gonna be here. Everyone knows. There's no question about it. Everyone knows this. Literally everyone, even the Dons, they know. Yeah, because this guy, like Don Raphael, is basically his arch nemesis. We meet Don Raphael up in his fancy house while he's doing some snuff because, you know, it's that. Yeah. It's like that. (laughs) (laughs) He does a little cocaine and then hands his friend Don Luis some deeds and like papers that say like, okay, all of my friends get all of my land. Yeah, he's granting all of his land to the Dons before Santa Ana can seize it, basically figuring that, like, pissing off the Dons would be such a ball ache for Santa Ana that he will just let them keep the land, which turns out to be correct. (laughs) We cut back to the little boys who are still trying to get in and out of the crowd to see Zorro. One of them is, like, manhandled by somebody with a hood who looks like a monk, but he looks up. And the monk's wearing a mask. Yeah, he's got fancy boots and he's got a mask on under the hood. 
and he winks at the boy and puts his finger to his lips like, shh, and he smiles, lets him go, and the boys meet up and, like, escape to a nearby rooftop to watch the ensuing things. But, like, it's, it's, it's Zoro, Zoro's here. <laughs> uh, the, the Robin Hood energy is off the charts. Yep, so we have our tense build-up to the execution with the soldiers getting into formation to shoot the three captives. And then out of nowhere, a whip appears and yanks the guns towards the commanding officer instead, who gets shot instead of the prisoners. And it's Zoro, guys! It's Zoro! Zoro's here! And the whole crowd is like, holy shit, it's Zoro! What follows is like a solid 10 minutes of this movie just reminding you how cool Zoro is. <laughs> oh, okay, the sword fighting choreography in this movie is so, so good. I miss action sequences where characters could interact with the environment because it wasn't filmed in a green void. Oh my god, the like whip and swinging around. Yes. Yeah, there is swinging, there's like rope choreography, there's swinging, there's swords, there's like moving in very clear set pieces to like move in and around them. It, uh, it's so fun. He's at one point, he's fighting on the gallows, realizes he's surrounded, trips the lever of the gallows and just falls through the trap door and runs How off. How good is that? It's so fucking good. In the middle of it, the boys who are, by the way, are named Joaquim and Alejandro. They're on a rooftop. They notice there are some like soldiers with guns hiding in a balcony. They push a statue over on them. <laughs> Definitely kill some. And then like Zoro looks up and they wave at him. And they're like, hi, good to do you a favor, Zoro. And he's like, yeah, cool. Thanks. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> this movie just 100% buys the hype of Zoro. It's not like a fucking like Marvel movie where it has to gym at the camera about what a silly concept Zoro is. It's like, no, Zoro's cool and we're gonna show you for like a solid 10 minutes <laughs> it is really fun that you start in on a setting where everyone buys this immediately and instead of trying to like bring in an introductory character to sell you on the hype of zoro they just show you zoro in action <laughs> this is also going to placate you for the next hour of the movie <laughs> where nobody gets to do zoro shit afterwards yeah, it's a very intense opening sequence. Like, eventually Zoro takes a break from the action to find Joaquim and Alejandro and is like, hey boys, thanks. Have a big, obvious medallion amulet. He puts it around Joaquim's neck. Like, here, have this. It's a present, I guess. It's ominous. Don't worry about it. This is going to come up later. Don't worry about it. And then off he goes. And then he's like, anyway, back to the fight. Bye. Yeah, now I'm going to Assassin's Creed my way up this building and uh, cut some stuff into Don Raphael's neck. He cuts a Z into his throat. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, it just basically shows up to be like, hi, shit move trying to execute those guys. I guess you got to flee the country now. See you never. <laughs> it's one final middle finger. And then he gets up to the balcony, whistles for his horse. <laughs> who arrives and he jumps down from the balcony onto the horse. The horse rides off. All of the peasants stop any soldiers from pursuing them because they love Zoro so much. A priest and then, throws like, an elbow into a soldier's face. It's good. It's real good. And then like Zoro pauses for a moment for the horse to rear and for him to <laughs> hold up his sword silhouetted by the sunset. Yeah. Against the sunset. <laughs> <laughs> to strike a pose before leaving. 
The horse, by the way, is always named Tornado and is always, it's supposed to be a black and delusion, but uh, this is a Frisian. <laughs> Near as I can tell from everything I could find, this is just a Frisian, which is it's fine. It's still a gorgeous horse. Very pretty horse. Yeah. And then Zoro escapes and we follow him to a beautiful estate with on a cliffside. Yeah, Zoro's got a bat cave. Yeah. <laughs> or, I mean, it's more like Batman has a Zoro cave. <laughs> yeah, Batman has a Zoro cave. <laughs> I mean, he enters his secret cave underneath his estate, pets his horse who loves him, and then enters into his home in plain clothes beneath a secret fireplace entrance. <laughs> this is where we find out that Zoro is Anthony Hopkins, by the way, <laughs> who is, for the record, Welsh. Uh... Yeah, you know, sometimes you, 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 if you listen to our podcast before, probably, sometimes you just have people who are tan. Yeah, they just put a lot of bronzer on, on Anthony Hopkins and called it a day, really. <laughs> But right now, Zoro, a.k.a. Diego de la Vega, has something very important to do, which is to go see his baby girl. <laughs> yeah, in his enormous, gorgeous house, he goes and says hi to his daughter's nanny, who is a local lady, and then proceeds to uh, recount the evening's uh, activities uh, to his daughter while waving a bouquet of flowers around like it's a sword. And he puts it into, like storybook context of calling Zorro the good prince and Don Raphael the evil king. <laughs> and then his wife Esperanza shows up because she's been watching the sunset, but then comes in to watch her husband make silly stories for their baby. She's like, how's it going? And she's a total babe. Oh, she's so pretty. Important note, she's a total babe. She's so pretty. <laughs> and she's like, so... Your arch nemesis is going back to Spain. Are you retiring? <laughs> because you're kind of old. <laughs> you're Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, this isn't the lion in winter, dude. You're, you're actually pretty up there by this point. You should probably retire from being a swashbuckling hero. And Anthony Hopkins is like, yeah, yeah, that's the premise of this movie. <laughs> Let's go with it. But it's okay, because then he and his wife, like, have an incredibly passionate kiss. So, you know. Oh, yeah. This movie fucks. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime two people are attracted to each other in this movie, they are into each other. It's the exact opposite of like, everyone is beautiful and no one is horny. It's this, this movie fucks. These characters are horny for each other. And then they start making out, which is always great to see a husband and wife who are ridiculously into each other. But then they are stopped because they hear a gun cocking and look down the stairs to see Don Raphael with a bunch of soldiers. Yep, they're here to arrest Zorro. <laughs> Whoopsie. Oops. We also find out that Don Raphael has been obsessed with Esperanza forever. He figures that like he's the one who should have married Esperanza and Don Diego de la Vega got her instead. He's mad about it. He's like, I'm sorry I couldn't make you love me. I'm sorry I couldn't stop the peasants from revolting and I'm sorry I have to leave you without a husband. And now the sword fight starts, because of course it does. <laughs> oh my god, on the stairs. It's good. And the thing is that, like, like all the sword fighting in this movie is, like, very, very fun fencing. So everyone looks incredibly fancy while they're doing it. Yeah, it's definitely like the old-fashioned movie show fencing, where, like, mm -hmm. you know, it's not exactly realistic, but god, is it good to watch. Oh yeah, and it's like, listen... Did you enjoy the man in black and Inigo Montoya having a sword fight in Princess Bride? 
Do you want that, but like six more scenes of that in a movie? Because <laughs> it's good. Yeah, it's very good. Right up until the point where one of the goons decides to pull a gun and shoot Diego, at which point his wife screams and jumps in front of the gunshot and whoops. Yeah, she dead. She did. Hope you weren't too attached to Esperanza because Diego certainly was. <laughs> Raphael is so mad. And he, like, instantly turns and shoots the guy who shot her. <laughs> or stabs the guy, yeah. Yeah, like, Don Raphael just puts his sword directly through the guy who pulled the trigger. And he was like, what? I didn't- I, I never would have harmed her. This is not my fault. <laughs> yeah, just classic weasel shit from Don Raphael. And, and Diego gets carried off to a prison cart. Meanwhile, Don Raphael's like, I'm gonna steal your baby and subject you to, like, 20 years of Count of Monte Cristo shit. Hope you're cool with that. Yeah, because he's like, I want you to live knowing that you have lost everything and I have everything you hold dear. Which is such a good villain move. Oh, God. <laughs> like, he even brings up, like, he sets the manor on fire. He even brings the swaddled baby up to the, like, the bars of the prison cart so that Diego can demand to hold his child and he just leaves the baby slightly out of reach. <laughs> it's a real dick move. Uh, and then like the cart pulls away with Diego screaming as the camera pulls up saying that Don Raphael will never be rid of him. It's a very good vendetta. It's very good. There's a lot of Count of Monte Cristo in this movie. <laughs> that was our opening scene. Yeah, that was just the opening. <laughs> That's just the flashback before the time skip bit of the movie. Oh, y'all, this movie is like two hours and 17 minutes long, and there is so much movie in every scene of this movie. There's so much movie in this movie. <laughs> so, 20 years later, we end up in the desert with Joaquin and Alejandro, where you find out that their last name is Marietta, which I have some interesting Joaquin Marietta, real guy, kind of. So recently I read The Barbary Coast, which is a book about the criminal history of San Francisco. Anyone who's read my fiction knows exactly why I was doing that. But as I'm going through, the author starts talking about Joaquin Marietta. And I was like, hang on a minute. And then he mentions a three-fingered jack. And I was like, hey, wait a minute. So I looked it up and did some more reading within the book. And yeah, Joaquin Marietta was a supposed outlaw in Northern California referred to as the Robin Hood of the West or Robin Hood of El Dorado. Yeah, you owe it to yourself to look up his Wikipedia page to see the sketch of Joaquin Murrieta, because it is great. It's really good. I'm just going to put this in our chat so we can enjoy it together here. Yeah. This guy may or may not have existed, record keeping in the American West being what it was. But the folk story goes that he would have been this uh, outlaw born in 1829. So this movie version is like time shifted a little bit earlier. Had a couple of brothers, none of them were fellow outlaws or named Alejandro, supposedly, but he is believed to have been the inspiration for a fun little character named Zorro. So this is an interesting way to do it of like doing a, a cyclical like, oh, this is the brother of the guy who inspired Zorro becoming the new Zorro? Yep. Alejandro, by the way, is Antonio Banderas. That's our character is Alejandro Marietta. And there's also a guy here called Three Finger Jack, who was, according to the folk story, a lieutenant of Marietta's. Yeah, we'll also see another historical character here shortly, who is a man who historically is attached to the Joaquin Marietta story of being a California ranger named Harry Love, who is basically assigned to track down Marietta and uh, basically be his nemesis. <laughs> 
Yeah. But in the meantime, we have Joaquin Marietta, Alejandro Marietta, and Three-Fingered Jack, who in this one is just sort of like, I don't know, a Texan or something. You know an old the old-timey prospector in every, like, Western movie? <laughs> That's this guy. And they're trying to pull a con on some people. Oh, man, they're having a great time. They're having a good time. Three-Fingered Jack was hypothetically a Mexican man named Manuel Garcia. But, you know, we're only tentatively worried about any kind of historical accuracy of a dude who may or may not have existed anyway, so... <laughs> Yeah. But in this version, Three Finger Jack is posing as a bounty hunter to bring in a bounty for the Marietta brothers. So they come up to some soldiers who have a bounty for them, but 200 pesos for both of them. And they get insulted by this. That's not a lot of money even back then. <laughs> no. And they're insulted by this. They hate it. They're like, don't take that. That's so low. <laughs> Then we realize that, well, this bounty's too low. It's not going to work. Also, these boys weren't tied up in the first place. Also, they have guns. <laughs> Just pull a gun on the local military captain. This is a holdup, which is great because these soldiers appear to be just like squatting on this poor farmer's homestead anyway. So <laughs> hero of the people shit. To the point where the farmer is like, oh, yeah, there's a payroll chest on the wagon. <laughs> We're just going to let you know where these guys' valuables are because we hate them. <laughs> just casually. Just going to let you know. And the brothers are like, yeah, that's why we did this in the first place, actually. But thanks. <laughs> and after taking out the soldiers, we actually see them in the background of a shot where they have now stripped the soldiers naked and tied them up, facing each other, circling around a cactus patch so we assume that they're going to get a whole lot of needles in their dicks. Yeah. It's fun. We have fun here. We have fun here. And they're having a lot of fun doing the getaway until the getaway is canceled by the appearance of a bunch <laughs> of American cavalry. <laughs> American cavalry led by love. Who was not in the army. <laughs> I swear to God, though, this dude, like I spent the whole movie trying to figure out where I knew his face from. I didn't know his face. I knew Greg Sestero's face. <laughs> This just dude looks, looks like so Greg much Sistero. like Greg Sestero, Tommy Wiseau's best friend, a.k.a. Mark of the Room. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> this is Captain Harry Love, or he's referred to as Harrison Love through a lot of the movie, but uh, the real world Harry Love. Probably because Harry Love sounds really dirty. It does, yes. But yeah, Harry Love, near as I can tell, was not actually an army officer at this or any other point, but it's effective for the purposes of the story, for him to be associated with the American military. So it's fine. So he's here to arrest them. He shoots three-fingered Jack, or at the very least his men do. Joaquin and Alejandro try to escape. Joaquin is shot in like a leg or something, non-fatally, but he's not going anywhere. He tells Alejandro to go. Alejandro escapes. The soldiers circle Joaquin and as they're about to execute him, Joaquin spits in their faces and shoots himself rather than, like, the executed by these soldiers. It's great, actually. Yeah. Metal. Absolutely metal. And then Love comes along and with this great big f***ing cavalry saber lops off his head, sending the, the big silver amulet plot stuff flying. 
this is based on supposedly Harry Love took off Joaquin Murrieta's head as proof and also Three Finger Jack's hand. And he's just like, bury the head, bag the body. Other which... way around. <laughs> You're right. Thank you. Bury the body, bag the head. We follow Captain Love here as he meets up on a mysterious shore with a strange cloaked figure who is coming offshore from a big boat. While Alejandro, back in the desert, picks up the bloody medallion and weeps. We follow Captain Love and the mysterious cloak figure as they ride towards a prison, and the cloak figure takes off his hood, and oh my god, it's Don Rafael! He's back, folks! He was here to check on this guy that he left in a prison 20 years ago. And this prison, the inmates are not looking great, as you may imagine. Nope. Yeah, no. Prisons now are bad. Prisons in the 1800s were really bad. Prisons in the 1800s in, like, largely remote provinces were extremely bad. Most of these men are diseased, ill, driven mad, delirious. Permanently debilitated by the stuff that they've been doing as prison labor and the conditions of their captivity. So, you know, the warden walks up through all these men being presented and he's like, Hey, any of you weird fucks ever go by Zorro? <laughs> this turns out to have been a bad move. Because <laughs> suddenly everybody was Zorro. The whole Spartacus moment. We got a Spartacus, but... Maybe partially driven by, like, loyalty to Zorro, but maybe also just because a lot of them don't actually know who they are anymore. Yeah, no, this might be more of an I'm Brian situation. <laughs> Which is great, because right as these guys started all saying they're Zorro, Don Raphael was staring down this one man who was shaking, who appeared to only have one eye, with the other one wrapped underneath a bandage with long hair, who looked not there at all, before he's distracted by all of these guys demanding that they're Zorro. And when his back is turned, this man with the one eye apparently suddenly looks at his back with intelligent eyes glinting. It's Anthony Hopkins, guys! <laughs> it's Zorro. Zorro's here. Zorro's here. And now that he sees Don Raphael here, you know, the guy he swore revenge on? He is going to get that revenge, damn it. Oh my god. Maybe not right now, but soon. Oh my god. He is moved to action, and by action... I mean, grabbing a prison guard by the throat from behind and crushing his windpipe. Yeah, the guards, meanwhile, in attempting to pacify the chaos caused by, hey, I knew you f***s go by Zorro, threw a guy headfirst against the wall, which kills people. So now there's a corpse in play. So Diego proceeds to break himself out of his cups with gunpowder, which is metal as f***, and then replace the dead body. This is straight up just the escape from Count of Monte Cristo. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing where somebody dies so you pretend to be the corpse and then they bury you and then you escape because guess what they just bury these guys in shallow graves anyway <laughs> but like we have this long moan of them like burying this corpse and then fade cut to the shallow grave and there's this long beat and then suddenly Zoro erupts out of the shallow grave with a knife <laughs> This movie doesn't f*** around. <laughs> it's great. It's good. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the light of day, we have a big hero party for Don Rafael, who's back from Spain. Hooray! 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 All these people are paid to be here and welcome him back. I love this big crowd. I love this. I love this big crowd. There's a whole bunch of Dons here, a whole bunch of suits to greet him. And there's a big crowd of peasants who just do not look happy to be here. And Don Rafael arrives like, hey, peasants, you've been hired to greet me. I don't give a fuck. 
actually helped you people anyway. Not these dudes behind me. Not me, I guess. Not Spain or whatever. They're like, no one's ever helped you. And they're like, Zorro has. We know the answer to this one. It's Zorro. Zorro's the one who helps us. It's Zorro. It's it's literally, it's Zorro. It's definitely Zorro. Zorro's helped us. Zorro has had a very positive material effect on our lives. And he's like, but where is Zorro? It's been 20 years. Zorro's in the crowd, actually. <laughs> yeah, he's right there. <laughs> Zorro is right there in the crowd. He's got that knife. He rushes through. But he stopped up short when someone calls to Don Raphael and calls him father. <laughs> <laughs> and here comes Don Raphael's heavy sarcasm quotes daughter, Elena, who is played by Catherine Zeta-Jones, who is also Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, it's so beautiful here, father. What is this flower? I know this scent. They're like, actually, it's, how do you know that? It's, this, this is a native flower. It only grows here. And, um, <laughs> you've never been to California before. And she's like, oh, golly, that's strange. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do this beat a lot with, like, baby memories. Yeah, this is, this is going to keep happening. Don't worry about it. Yeah, but I love that Zorro just stares at this woman because like, oh my god, Don Raphael even kept the name. He didn't rename this baby. <laughs> She's Elena. <laughs> and Zorro is just stricken, and I love that. And meanwhile, we cut to Alejandro, who is grieving his brother. And by that, I mean getting drunk. Really drunk. Super duper drunk. So incredibly drunk. He drunk away all of his money. Which it probably was not much. But he wants to drink more. <laughs> and he's like, hold up. I can pay for this with real silver. Look at this plot device medallion I have. <laughs> <laughs> and the bartender's like, oh, shit, silver. But meanwhile, Anthony Hopkins is here. Zorro's here. And he immediately, like, with his walking stick, snags the chain that it's on, which is still around Alejandro's neck. <laughs> it's like, don't sell the plot device for whiskey. Can we just talk about how small this part of California is? <laughs> and how much I love that? <laughs> like, how is he here? How did he find this? It's not like he's got a homing device on that thing. Listen, it's a sufficiently s small settlement. There's basically one place you can buy whiskey. <laughs> uh, it's just great. I sincerely love that it takes this shortcut to get to the fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, the movie's like, listen, we're not going to make you wait for these two characters to meet up again. We know what you're here for. And what we're here for is Anthony Hopkins quickly disarming Alejandro, because this super duper drunk dude with a sword and a plot device sees Captain Love across the street. Because again, very small town. Very small. Very small. Tries to rush him and Zoro's like, don't. Do not do that. And then grabs him by the throat and drags him off because, listen, it's effective, the throat grabbing. Yeah, I like how it's it's established that, like, Zoro's grip strength is incredibly high. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> and Alejandro's like, all right, how dare you? How dare you? I'm drunk. How dare you? I'm going to get revenge. I'm going to come at you with the sword. And Zoro's just like, bleh. <laughs> Very little effort involved. And he's like, hey, you're welcome. I just saved your life. Drunk stumbling revenge is stupid. Want to learn how to Zorro, you little dumbass? 
and Alejandro's like, I mean, sure, but why would you? And then Zaro points at the plot device medallion and says, because you did the same for me, dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a lot to stake on. He hasn't even seen this dude's sword fight, but he's just like, all right, you're like, you're Antonio Banderas enough for this. <laughs> you're young, you're fueled by revenge, and you're here, so let's go. <laughs> yeah. Any port in a storm. My options are, let's be real, quite limited. <laughs> And so we immediately cut to Alejandro fanboying out about Zorro. In the Zorro cave. <laughs> it's like, I never thought I'd one day be standing in the lair of the fox in the lair of Zorro. <laughs> He's a huge nerd about this and I love him. Yeah, despite the fact that this, the Zorro cave has seen better days, guys. <laughs> We have this whole thing where there's this big series of concentric circles that is his training circle that is going to be used as a metaphor off and on for the rest of the movie. But mostly it's here for this training montage. And Zoro lays out to Alejandro why he has to do this. And he's like, listen, Don Rafael, somehow Don Rafael has returned. <laughs> but also there are complications, quote unquote, and he refuses to elaborate on that point. But Alejandro is like, yeah, OK, let's do sword fights. <laughs> so I was like, do you know how to use that thing? I love that there's like absolutely no refusal of the call here. There's no talking Alejandro into becoming Zorro. He's immediately like, yeah, Zorro's f***ing cool. I want to be Zorro. Yeah. <laughs> you would think that 20 years of like drinking and being a criminal would harden him to this. But no, he's all here for it. <sighs> okay. I do love the bit where Zorro's like, do you even know how to use that sword? And he's like, yeah, the pointy end goes into the other man. <laughs> beautiful yeah antonio banderas playing like a very charming dumbass is very good yeah no he's just he is he wants revenge he's got a little bit of pathos but mostly he's just excited to be zorro he wants to hang out with his hero and be zorro <laughs> he's here to zorro he's here to zorro folks there's a brief thing before we get a big training montage that's like Oh, God, there's this bit where Alejandro does a whole bunch of fancy sword spins and Zoro just blinks at him and disarms him with one swipe, which has the exact same energy as guy with a bunch of fancy sword moves and that Indiana Jones just shoots. <laughs> I love it. And then we have a big training montage. Which involves like a surprising amount of daddy dom shit from, <laughs> from Zoro. <laughs> Like resting his boots on his back while he's doing push-ups and like yelling at him, like cracking a whip and telling him to do different sword moves and then hitting him with the whip when he does it wrong. Antonio Banderas gets whipped a lot in this movie. So much. <laughs> and and you never even like see any kind of injuries from or anything. So it's just sort of a light whipping. It's more for emphasis. Yeah, it's more to make a point. Yeah. There's a point where they're sword fighting and Zoro is like, lesson one, never attack in anger and then sniffs him. Lesson number two, get a bath, you weirdo. <laughs> also, like him saying lesson one is uh, surprisingly far into the training montage. <laughs> like, I don't know how you guys have gotten to lesson one before now. Maybe he just started on like lesson two and he was like, we'll come back to lesson one later. Don't worry about it. Or maybe he just had to do a whole bunch of chores in between the push ups over candles or something. <laughs> Anyway, then we get Antonio Banderas shirtless in the bath while Anthony Hopkins cuts his hair. And there's there's something here. <sighs> <laughs> there's something here. <laughs> Just the movie being still horny, but in an unanticipated direction that kind of makes you cock your head to the side and go, huh. <laughs> so Zoran and Alejandro take a cart into town for something. 
don't worry about it. They just have to be in town now. And a bunch of soldiers ran into town with a whole bunch of horses. One of them, Zoro, is like, hey, that's a very pretty black Andalusian. And Alejandro is like, it looks exactly like your old horse tornado. It's also a Frisian, not an Andalusian, but we're not going to get into that. (laughs) And wouldn't you know it, this big black horse, this big black beautiful horse is special. He's, He's wild, untamed. He's a wild spirit. If only some 12-year-old girl could tame him. And if only that 12-year-old girl was Antonio Banderas. <laughs> the horse breaks away and, and, and Alejandro comes up to it and, and seems to tame it and whisper to it like he's a horse girl in a sensitive tween girl novel. And a soldier drags it away and he's like, I'll see you tonight, horsey. Yeah, meanwhile, he grabs like a little scarf that the horse got tangled around its hoof during its rampage through the market, and that ends up being his mask. (laughs) Yeah, wouldn't you know it, it's black fabric. With a nice red floral pattern on it. Yeah. It's not perfect, it'll do the job, though. The job is being (laughs) Zorro. Technically, right now, the job is being horse thief. Yes, who's dressed like Zorro. He throws the mask on, he's got the cape, he looks at himself in the well, and he he, he looks like an extremely low-budget Zorro. And he's like, fuck yeah, I'm ready to go steal a horse. Yeah! Yeah! I'm gonna do a Zorro! This rules. <laughs> and he goes off to steal the horse and immediately runs into Elena on her horse. And this movie gets horny again really fast. Oh, she smiles, they flirt. Be careful, there are dangerous men about. Oh, well, be sure to tell me if you see any. It's so good! <laughs> They are instantly horny for each other. I am so, it is so refreshing to watch a movie that has like a, even a heterosexual like love story where the characters are actually clearly attracted to each other because in so many movies, it's just perfunctory. They have no chemistry whatsoever. They still have a lot of chemistry. Catherine Zeta-Jones and uh, and Antonio Banderas really bring a lot of fun to this role. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is not one of those movies where there's technically two love interests and only by texture of the movie, you know that they're love interest. You can feel it. You know how you sometimes you'll read a romance novel that's ostensibly like about being attracted to men, but the description of the man is like, oh, he had abs and oh, he had broad shoulders and oh, he was handsome. And then you talk to someone who's actually attracted to men and they say stuff like, I want to chew on his arm hair. <laughs> Catherine Zeta-Jones <laughs> wants to chew on Antonio Menderes' arm hair. Oh, now I'm just thinking about really good romance novel prose. <laughs> And forearms, though. Forearms, though. (laughs) Anyway, he runs off after flirting with Elena, sneaks into the stables through the chimney, comes up to the horse, saddles the horse, who seems to let him because he's the only one who can tame this beautiful wild stallion. (laughs) This horse is such an asshole and I love it. Oh, yeah, no. He leads the horse out of the stall, gets onto the horse's back that we cut away briefly. We can assume he actually cinches the saddle and everything because now the horse has full tack on. Gets on the horse's back. It's like, we are of one spirit. And then (laughs) kicks the horse. And then it starts bucking wildly. (laughs) Screaming. (laughs) Because Antonio Banderas is not actually a horse girl. This I love what an asshole this horse was. The horse was completely cooperative up to this point. And then this, the moment Antonio Banderas gave it a kick, it was like, actually, fuck you. How dare you? This is such a good horse. Like, this is such a well-trained movie horse. There are lots of horse stunts in this movie. They're all very good. 
Yeah, and like this bucking is one of the major ones, and it's great actually. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, all the soldiers who are like drinking and playing cards in like the outposts that these stables are attached to, because this the army owns this horse. <laughs> They start hearing the noises of this horse screaming and trying to throw this guy off. And then the horse is like, it is not enough for you to hear me. You must witness me as well and burst into the room. <laughs> and it's not until then that the horse finally throws Alejandro. <laughs> and Alejandro lands in the middle of a room surrounded by soldiers. Unarmed. Unarmed. Who are very fully aware that he just tried to steal their horse. They dogpile him? Yeah, there's still like this prolonged moment where you're like, oh, what kind of highly choreographed fight scene is this going to result in? And then the guy in charge just yells, get him, and they dogpile him. <laughs> and it does the thing like in a cartoon where he crawls out from the bottom of the dog pile while they're still trying to get him. Yeah, I know the snarky movie critic thing is to say, well, why when a group is attacking one guy, do they only attack him one at a time? Well, it turns out when you all attack him at once, it's very hard to tell whether you're actually hitting the guy you're supposed to or whether you're just hitting each other. <laughs> there are so many points in the sequence where the soldiers all act as a big clump of dudes, and I actually love that. <laughs> so there is a big big action sequence in these barracks. And it's once more like it's a lot of jumping around the scenery and interacting with the scenery in interesting like Jackie Chan kung fu movie type ways. <laughs> oh, very good. There are fancy rope tricks. There's good old fashioned chandelier swinging. At one point, Alejandro gets tossed around by a giant dude, but then he grabs two cannonballs in a pile, clangs them over his ears twice. That dude is going to be dead now. Well, he seems to be direct hitting him directly on the jaw, which considering the guy spits out a mouthful of teeth afterwards. Oh, okay. I thought those were directly over his ears, but no, the jaw would make sense. That would yeah, explain the, the teeth. the jaw wouldn't kill him, but would still mean he's out of commission for a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> While the men are all distracted by that, we cut back to Alejandro, who is posing with one leg up on a cannon and like <laughs> cheekily grinning while he lights a fuse. It's very, it's very Looney Tunes. There's some Looney Tunes shit in here. It's great. It's that thing, again, we talked about where, like, 90s action movies and blockbusters tended to have a lot of slapstick because it was occupying the same comedic space that would later in, like, the 2000s and 2010s get taken up by, like, the pop culture reference sarcasm type humor instead. There's a point where the floor is accidentally set on fire and, you know, it's all wood. It's extremely combustible in there. There's gunpowder, too. There's gunpowder everywhere to the point where Alejandro escapes, realizing that he is carrying a barrel leaking gunpowder and runs out screaming as the entire place explodes. Because again, it is a Looney Tunes cartoon in here a little bit. Yeah. Remember that exact same joke from Up in Treasure Island? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we love the gunpowder chasing an idiot. <laughs> so yeah, Alejandro just blew up a barracks and a stables. It's fine. He's doing great. He's doing great. <laughs> he then escapes into a church and he says to the priest, oh, you don't know me. And the priest is like, of course I know you. You're Zorro. You're obviously Zorro. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, listen, father, I, I beg sanctuary. And the father's like, hell yeah, let's hide Zorro. <laughs> He's been fantasizing about this for 20 years. He's like, oh, the years have been much kinder to you than me. You, 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 you turned into Antonio Banderas. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, into the confessional. And it turns out there's somebody already in the confessional. Guess who it is? And it's Elena. 
And she's like, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. I broke the fourth commandment. And Alejandro's like, um... Did you murder somebody? Why don't you just tell me what commandment <laughs> you broke? And it turns out she was too horny. Yeah, her sin was that she was too horny. And, like, she dishonored her father. And he's like, I don't know, maybe, you're, maybe your dad just has bad vibes. Maybe he's a jerk. <laughs> Did you ever think about that? And she's like, I dishonored my father by lusting for a man. Who I literally just met. He had a black mask. I was super horny. And Alejandro's like, fuck. Fuck, that's me. They, they, they literally say the word lustful. <laughs> I try to be good for my father, but my heart is too wild. It's very good. <laughs> and I'm too horny. I'm just too horny for this horse thief. And he's like, <sighs> anyway, it's, it's definitely not a sin. God told me. God told me it's not a sin. You can just be horny. It's totally fine. God says it's okay. You can just be horny for this for this man. It's fine. This man specifically, you should definitely be horny for this guy. Yeah, it's it's definitely fine. Don't worry about it. Elena's just charmed by this. It's <laughs> unclear whether or not Elena is like actually taken in by this. I think she twigs fairly early on that this is not the priest. You can kind of see it on her face. She's like, this isn't the usual guy. <laughs> I don't think this guy's really a priest. <laughs> well, you know, let's just talk about being horny. It's fine. And so she leaves the confessional booth and then Captain Love enters the church with a whole bunch of soldiers, which is not what sanctuary means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the priest is like, hey, you can't do that. <laughs> and they just decide to search the entire place. And then meanwhile, Elena starts to exit and Love was like, hey, what are you doing here? And she's like, I was, I was at confession. And Love does some math, realizes that the only priest has been here in the room with him this whole time. And is like, wait a minute. <laughs> and to his credit, he doesn't screw around. He just shoots the door. <laughs> yeah, he puts a bullet through the confessional and then opens it up and it's empty with a hole cut in the roof because, of course. And Elena's just grinning. <laughs> Elena's, Elena has grown up on like a sheltered estate in like provincial Spain her entire life. She's having the best time over in <laughs> California now. <laughs> She's like, there's bandits, there's guys who aren't really priests, tell it that you can tell how horny you are, and now they're having like swashbuckling adventure escapes. It's terrific. I love it here. <laughs> we cut back to the lair where Zoro is just hanging out practicing candle whipping, which is great. It's so good. I'm pretty sure Anthony Hopkins could just do that. <laughs> just like whip a candle so that the candle itself isn't damaged, but the flame goes out. It's so good. Good shit. And Alejandro runs in like, check out my cool horse. People like Zorro now. And Zorro's like, Zorro isn't an intention-seeking horse thief, you idiot. <laughs> I did have something resembling a plan here, my guy. There's a vibe here. Did you forget that Zorro has a vibe? Oh, right. I haven't taught you how to vibe yet. All right. Time for a sword fight. And by sword fight, I mean, here's a spoon. We're going to teach you how to actually behave yourself in polite company. Because now he has to be a spy to figure out exactly what Don Raphael is doing. Yep. This is where you can tell the movie was directed by a Bond guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, like, I know I said that there was a whole lot of movie in this movie and that this movie is already long, but I do feel like we were cheated by not having an etiquette montage. I, yeah, I was expecting, like, the first time I watched this movie, I was thinking, oh, I wanted, like, an entire montage where he gets yelled at for using the wrong soup spoon. But no. No, we just cut directly to, like, a extremely shaved Alejandro and Zorro showing up to this party. We could have had him learning how to dance. 
We could have. I just I wanted to and stepping on Zoro's feet. I really, really, really wanted to see the scene where Zoro teaches Alejandro how to dance <laughs> by dancing with him. I think that would have been good. Yeah. It wouldn't have made the montages any less homoerotic. <laughs> But it would have been very good. He could have even done like a repeat of him like doing push-ups, but now he's reading etiquette books. <laughs> Just a scene of Antonio Bandra's balancing with like, like walking across the room with books balanced on his head. Oh, please, <laughs> please, please, though. For me? For my friends? Uh, but alas... Uh, instead, we just cut directly to the fancy party where everyone is arriving at Don Rafael's estate. Alejandro is dressed like a dandy. He's very fancy. They've shaved his uh, his mustache and his goatee down to basically nothing. We later find out that those are just fake and he's been shaved entirely. Diego is also shaved. He's also in disguise as Alejandro's servant uh, with the cover name Bernardo, which in the original Zorro stories, Bernardo was uh, Diego's Alfred, basically. Which is great. It's good. He's also got some glasses, because, you know. Because, yeah. Clark Kent. Yeah, and at one point Alejandro's like, isn't Don Raphael going to recognize you? And <laughs> to which Zoro replies, Don Raphael doesn't look servants in the eyes. I'll be fine. <laughs> He's not going to notice I'm here. <laughs> which, again, great villain shit. Love it. Good shit. I love it when a villain is unambiguously a dick. This guy's just a huge asshole, and this movie will remind you at every opportunity that he's a gigantic asshole. (laughs) So he introduces himself to Don Rafael, and he's like, oh yes, I'm from Spain. I'm from the court. The queen says she secretly likes you. And this is sufficient to get him invited inside. Oh my god. He also introduces himself to Elena and does some like up close sleight of hand magic to (laughs) make a rose appear in his hand to give her. I wanted the montage where Zoro teaches him to do that. Where did Zoro <laughs> teach him to do magic? Yeah, and it's it, it's just this prolonged sequence of Alejandro being like, where am I going to use this? <laughs> and Zoro's like, you will, just don't worry about it. Seducing my daughter. <laughs> this is part of being charming, is knowing how to do sleight of hand. <laughs> Elena shows up later in the party to invite Alejandro to join her at her father's table, which he joins them, and then immediately makes a joke at Captain Love's expense about chasing a legendary bandit and losing him in a confession booth because he is going to be that catty bitch. Yeah, which I don't think the confession booth thing was public knowledge. You may have just blown your cover, dude. Yeah. But the thing is that everybody here loves making fun of Captain Love, so... Yeah, I mean, believe it or not, unfortunate as it is, the best way to ingratiate yourself into a social group is to make fun of the person they're all making fun of. We intercut a little with Zorro knocking out a soldier to sneak into Don Rafael's rooms to do some recon while Alejandro is basically being the worst dude at this fancy party. Yeah, this is also in keeping with like the, the okay. So again, this the extent to which Batman borrows from Zorro becomes readily apparent the more you learn about Zorro. Zorro's civilian identity was very much this like passive, like useless fop character. It's the Brucey Wayne shit. It's the I'm just this nobleman who doesn't work very hard and makes snarky comments about bandits. Same with Scarlet Pimpernel. Scarlet Pimpernel, shit, yeah. So he's doing that. He's doing the scene where he makes fun of Zorro while also being Zorro. The problem is that while he's also doing that, because Elena is arguing politics and arguing in favor of Zorro, it means he also has to be a sexist asshole to Elena. 
Yeah, deeply unfortunate. There's this moment where Don Raphael is like, Haha, women, am I right? They don't know politics. They have tiny little lady brains. And the whole rest of the table laughs. And like Catherine Zeta-Jones brings that exact authentic, these men are scum and I have to be polite about it energy to the yep. shot. It's very good. She just like stares in shock at her father and at the men laughing at her and freezes. And oh, yeah, that's that's familiar. Sucks. These men at the table are scum and I have to be polite about it because my father is in charge of this party. Great. (laughs) I have no allies. I love it. Terrific. Anyway, I'm going to go dance with Captain Love. Like Alejandra is the one who really delivered one of the final barbs at her before her father cut in. And when Love asked for a dance, she's like, I would be glad to (laughs) while staring at Alejandro. Yeah. A, I want to show up this guy and B, God, I want to be anywhere but here. (laughs) (laughs) So Alejandro immediately pursues them down to the dance floor and cuts in and is like, I was trying to dance with her. And he's like, ah, oh, yes, you were trying. And she was dis- succeeding. <laughs> JK, JK. Anyway, you're wanted at the table. Bye. <laughs> anyway, time for a tango scene. Oh. An amazing tango scene. <laughs> yeah, because like before they got to the party, Zora was like, you have one job and it's you need to get invited back when the Dons leave that table. You need to get invited to go see whatever he's going to show them to reveal his evil plan. You have one job. But they start leaving while he's dancing with Elena. So he's like, I need a distraction and quickly. Let's get horny. (laughs) (laughs) Let's dance provocatively with this guy's daughter. Like the whole dancing floor clears. He speaks to the maestro and there's the subtitles. Flamenco music starts and you're like, (laughs) oh, (laughs) I see. Oh, it's real. It's a really good tango. It's very horny. And, like, afterwards, like, Elena's hair is all messed up and falling out of her updo. So, like, again, this movie understands that, like, horniness isn't just things being pretty. It's things being, like, slightly disheveled and touchable. Yeah. They end the dance with, like, his hand is holding up her thigh. His entire hand is on her thigh. And, like, their faces are very close. They're panting. They're definitely turned in slightly for, like, the smooch. More movies just need extremely horny dance scenes between two love interests who are at odds with one another, frankly. Like, yes, if they don't like each other, but there's clearly some sexual tension there, they need to dance. They, uh, yes, absolutely. Yes. We just more swashbuckler movies with this stuff specifically. Please, please. I'm dying out here. Afterwards, Don Raphael barges in to the dance and Alejandra's like, oh, gosh, sorry, your daughter's too wild and horny. I mean, that wasn't my fault. She's just too wild and horny. I mean, like, ladies, am I right? And again, she like she stares at him, realizes she really doesn't have any allies and she's just been made a fool of and storms off. And Alejandro visibly winces because he just screwed up so badly with her. (laughs) Oh, she's just got this look of immense betrayal on her face. It's very good. Oh, I, I, I feel so bad for her. But this does get Alejandro the invite to the meeting. Because he's like, oh, it's fine. I won't tell anyone you have your reputation. And she's just like a lady or something. So he's like, great, thanks. Come to my evil plan party. (laughs) The evil plan is the independent republic of California. (laughs) Yeah, they go to the evil plan room and he's got a map made and everything where he just pulls it down like it's a a movie screen, like a projection screen. It's the size of a bed sheet. 
It's so huge. This map is, he could have done this with like a significantly smaller map, but he's like, no, I need to be a dramatic bitch about it. I'm going to pull this thing down from the ceiling and show you this gigantic map of the independent Republic of California. This is a showman. And the dons who are seated around this table with this big tree, like right next to it, do a slow clap. And then one of them's like, are you full of shit? You're going to throw us under the bus. You just threw us under the bus when you arrived and Santa Ana will kill us. And Don Raphael's like, oh, no, no, we're not going to actually fight Santa Ana. We're going to buy Alta California from him. Because Santa Ana right now is very busy fighting a war against the United States. It's not going to go super great in terms of, like, financial expenses. Yeah. Wars cost money. (laughs) He's going to offload this territory that costs him money. We're going to give him more money. And then the Dons point out, we don't have enough money to do that. And... Don Raphael's like, aha, but I have a second stage to my evil plan, which I'm going to show you tomorrow. I have a lot of gold assholes. Come see it tomorrow. And then tomorrow the assholes come see the gold. They got a great big gold mine. He's got a secret mine and he's like, I'm calling it El Dorado. (laughs) Get it? Because I have so much gold. (laughs) And look at, don't pay attention to all the slave labor. Just don't worry about it. It's fine. There are a lot of enslaved mine workers here. Hooray. Many of them are old people and children. It's not great. He brings them all in like coaches with the windows covered so they don't know where the secret mine is but they can be very impressed by the amount of gold which has all been like smelted into bars and pressed with the seal of spain so santa Ana will not know that they come from his own land yeah which he has the mineral rights to they are buying the country from him with his own gold so they're like santa Ana will kill us and he's like nah he doesn't know he doesn't know it's it, it looks like spanish gold it's fine and meanwhile Alejandro's like Hey, so where'd all the labor come from? And they're just like, oh, you know. Just around. Wherever we wanted it to come from. Yep. And then we got an inkling of where it came from because, oh, Jesus, Three-Fingered Jack. <laughs> oh, God. Three-Fingered Jack is here. He's in a minecart and he is going to basically eviscerate the proletariat. <laughs> I don't think he can walk, but I think that bullet hit his spine the first time around, but he's still like, hey, fuck you guys. And then like, it proceeds to like, I guess it's like a minecart roller coaster is his plan here. Yeah, he's got a pickaxe. He's got a minecart. He's going to launch himself into this crowd of rich elites and just sort of (laughs) do whatever hell he can. He also calls Captain Love Peckerwood at one point. It's very good. So he ends up flying through the air with a pickaxe at them and uh, Love just shoots him out of the air. And like, they all look at this at this dying man. The Dons are like, <laughs> he insinuated that Captain Love had a tiny dick. Let's go. <laughs> and Alejandro approaches Three Finger Jack, turns him over. And there's this interesting moment where they just kind of stare at him because Alejandro can't do shit right now. And he's going to watch another person that he loves die. And, like, Three-Fingered Jack, it, it almost looks like there's, like, a uh, recognition in his eyes, and he kind of smiles a little before the light leaves his eyes and he dies. I mean, well, Captain Love's watching all of this. <laughs> He's like, uh-huh. Hey, we should hang out. Makes a crack about how this is the second time he shot this guy while he was flying through the air. And then is like, oh, I need to speak to you in private for reasons that are totally legit and fine. It's like, today, later, you and me, let's hang out. 
Meanwhile, we go back to the Hacienda where Elena goes to the stables because she's a horse girl. Yes, of course. And greet Zoro, who's brushing down that beautiful horse. That beautiful, definitely stolen horse. (laughs) (laughs) And she helps Zoro brush the horse. They talk about Don Rafael as they brush the horses together, who's definitely her father. (laughs) And Zoro, who is absolutely zero chill about Elena, just blurts out, you look so much like your mother. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, "Uh, I, I just mean you don't seem to have a whole lot of your father in you. She's like, oh, yes, my mother was a soft-spoken, reserved woman. And Zoro's like, oh, is that how he described her? (laughs) (laughs) Kind of tells you a lot about, like, the reason it didn't work out between Don Raphael and Esperanza, because he just he just had a completely inaccurate picture of her in his head. Yeah, there's even this bit where she's like, my father rarely speaks of her now because she died in childbirth and it's probably too painful for him, which is like another sort of telling thing of like, oh, yeah, this woman he was quote unquote obsessed over and he doesn't talk about her at all mm-hmm. now that she's dead. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Mm. Definitely treat her like a person, I bet. Yep. Mm. Totally. Mm. And then she's like, I'm having a baby memory. Have we met? Your voice seems familiar. <laughs> It's like, girl, that's Anthony Hopkins. He's got a very good voice. Because like in the prologue, we had this big thing where Esperanza was like, oh, she just loves hearing your stories. And he's like, ah, she just likes the sound of my voice. She's a baby. (laughs) And it turns out, yes, the memory retention for babies who listen to Anthony Hopkins is very high. (laughs) Extremely high. Memory retention for anyone who listens to Anthony Hopkins is quite high. This could be Asgard. Anyway, Captain Love has invited Don Alejandro for, uh, for a drink. A cool, normal drink. A cool, totally normal drink that he keeps behind his desk. And oh God, is a giant jar of alcohol with his brother's head in it. Which is a real historical thing that happened. Maybe. <laughs> you know, in as much as one could say that with Joaquin Murieta, the person who may or may not have existed. After, like, Captain Love took off his head, it was reportedly preserved in a big jar of alcohol and, like, incorporated into a big traveling show. Although it was never satisfactorily established that, that, I mean, there was a head, but it was never satisfactorily established that it was Joaquin Murrieta's head. The same with Three Fingered Jack's hand, which Captain Love also has. Because he's like, oh, you don't like that drink? Maybe a different vintage? How about a hand jar? And he's drinking out of it. And like, okay, the alcohol kills the bacteria. Fine. There's other stuff in there that you probably don't want in your body. Ugh. Alejandro, like, tries to keep his cool, and Captain Love just looks him dead in the eye, and it's like, you see these things? I'm going to do the same thing to his brother. And Alejandro's like, well, that's real. That's, that's, that's real f***ing neato. Let me just take a little sippy sip out of this head jar, because I'm not phased by that, and I'm going to be very normal and leave in a very normal way. You're weird. Goodbye. And then break his cane over his knee once he's outside. <laughs> Just a little, little sippy sip out of out of out of a head jar, little drinky drink. Yuck! That's <laughs> so gross. <laughs> Meanwhile, Elena heads out into town to wander and just be a winsome young lass. <laughs> As you do. As you do. As you do. And because this is the smallest town in the entire world, <laughs> uh, she encounters her old nanny, who then proceeds to give her a scarf in honor of, quote, her mother, and then proceeds to, like, her daughter's translating for her, but basically says, oh, no, no, you are definitely the baby that I was a nanny to, the daughter of Esperanza and Don Diego de la Vega. It's like, I absolutely know this. And Elena's like, my mother was from Spain? My mother died in Spain? I I don't think that's true. 
But the woman just like refuses to take the fabric back, basically ignores her when she tries to return it. She's like, hmm, I guess I'll file away that weird sentence for later. Yeah, I do like that it's completely consistent with the thing earlier. It was like Don Raphael didn't bother to cover the nanny at all and figure out what the nanny knew because he doesn't pay attention to servants. It's true. Just an asshole through and through. So we go back to the cave where Zoro is like, hey, so do you know how to get to the secret mine? And Alejandra's like, "Uh uh-uh. And also, I'm really, really sad right now. Like, he's doing this good thing where he's like, Alejandro is basically struggling between like grief and vengeance and he doesn't know how to set it aside to do what the people need because he just drank some brotherhead juice. (laughs) He's a little f***ed up over it. He's having a bad time and he really wants to kill this guy, but he also knows that there are a whole bunch of people who are enslaved working in a mine. And he's like, how do I set it aside to do what the people need? And Zoro's like, well, you hide it with this. (laughs) And it's the mask. He's got the mask. He's got the mask. There's a little guitar sting and everything. It's an hour and a half into this movie and we finally have Zoro back. (laughs) It's Zoro. Zoro's back. And oh, is Zoro ever back? Oh boy, is he back. So you know how Zoro does a big Z to tell people that he's there? What if it was the biggest Z? What if it was the biggest one imaginable? (laughs) What if he set a whole field on fire in the shape of a Z? Oh, outside the hacienda, they they see like the flaming Z on the hillside. And so obviously all of the soldiers have to go leave to investigate. Yep. (laughs) And while they're out doing that, guess who infiltrates the house? It's Zorro. It's Alejandro. It's Zorro. He's Zorro now. And we only read the first time we see him is when like Don Raphael and Captain Love are like talking about like, oh, we need to, you know, make sure that the mine is hidden, blah, blah, blah. And then we see the sword come down from above and pierce the map to the mine and then go and then go back up. (laughs) So this dude is just Spider-Manning around the ceiling. Oh, it's so good. There's also this great bit where they're like. I mean, do we need to send out all the soldiers? It's only one man, sir. And he's like, it's not just one man. It's sorrow. <laughs> I love it when there's only one man. Oh, God, it's really good. He's only one man. I love it when he's only one man. <laughs> Watch out. It's that one guy. So Don Raphael is now concerned because he's like, okay, so if Santa Ana finds out we're cheating him, he will kill us dead. And love is like, Okay, well, how about we just get rid of all witnesses? Oh, yeah! We just blow up everything! (laughs) We've got the gold, we just blow up the mine. And no more problems! No more problem! Problem go away. No No more problems! I too wish I could just TNT all my problems away. You can if you're not a coward. (laughs) All right, we'll do that. Make sure all of those important secret documents are safe. It's like, and oh no, the most important <laughs> secret document is not safe. <laughs> <laughs> he yells for the guards, turns around to go back and look for the room, and then there's Zoro there and he's got a sword to his chest. <laughs> ha ha. Now, if you'll excuse me, I need to have a sword fight with Captain Love real quick. Ah, uh, he, he literally kicks the butts of two guards out the window. And then gives Love his sword back so they can sword fight. (laughs) 
And this is like, it's very important to understand this is a fencing épée versus a cavalry saber. Cavalry sabers are heavy. It is a much heavier sword. <laughs> this combat sequence is done in a fairly narrow hallway. And I really like how they do it because they have this big, like, at the end of the hallway, there is a big wall mirror. So you can see a little bit of the action going on. And they've done some good work to hide the camera for that. So it makes the whole scene, just like having that mirror back there, feel much more, like, present. It's much easier to suspend your disbelief for this. Because we have a big, stupid sword fight. It's so good. And then Don Raphael bursts in, and then he sword fights both of them at once. <laughs> so good. <sighs> uh, there's no good way to, like, describe the action here, but rest assured that this is, this is a great action sequence. You really need to watch this movie. <laughs> at one point, he escapes, sword fights a whole bunch of soldiers, then does some acrobat flips on a tree branch does a whole bunch of backflips at some point he uses the gigantic map of california to like distract all of the men and cover them up with a sheet so he can escape oh there's so much fun set piece work here yep and then we get an ter absolutely terrific horse chase oh. but before we get to the horse chase though <laughs> oh right yes i almost forgot yeah because <laughs> elena watches zoro leave as zoro escapes back into where his horse is stabled in the stables and elena appears and he's like you stole something from my father and i want it back and i am going to flirt and horny sword fight you until you give it back to me <laughs> And he's like, well, I don't have time to teach you to sword fight. And she's like, I've known how to sword fight since I was four. <laughs> Hi, here's the main reason that you should watch this movie. <laughs> There's going to be a really good horse chase after this, but y'all, horny sword fight. Horny sword fight with clothes cutting off. Hello, I'm gay. I love me a horny sword fight. <laughs> Yeah, if you're if you're uh, if you're bisexual, there's something for you in basically every aspect of this scene. Oh man, there's a point where they both take a second to remove. Like she's just in like a, a nightgown and a robe. She takes off her robe. He takes off his hat to do more horny sword fights. Uh, at one point, he like cuts a slit in her dress, like around her leg, and then he steals a kiss. <laughs> And she does, She seems just like more like slightly indignant that he scored a point more than anything else. It's true. Because again, they're both super horny for each they're other. So horny for each other. There's another point when he scores a point on her and cuts the shoulder of her dress. So now her tits are barely hanging in there. <laughs> and there's another kiss. She disarms him. He gets the sword back. There's a lot of the thing where the point of the sword is put under the chin and tips up the chin, which is like the the queerest thing. It's very good. And eventually he actually does a whole sword fight. Her whole dress comes off. She gasps and covers her boobs with his hat. <laughs> <laughs> She's still got like bloomers on under there, but like, yep. oh, and he's like, do you surrender? And she says, never, but I may scream. And he's like, sometimes I have that effect. <laughs> and then they just make out. Just make out. They just make out. I know you've been making out. <laughs> oh, I'm really bisexual. <laughs> swords, hot people with swords and they're horny for each other and they're swords. <laughs> 
This is everything I need in, in cinematography, honestly. So uh, Alejandro steals his hat back <laughs> and proceeds to get on his horse and ride, and then proceeds to ride away. We're accurate to say he leads the horse out because getting on the horse proves problematic later. He bids her adieu. Don Rafael marches in and is like, what just happened? Because his daughter is basically naked in a stable. And she's like, Zorro was here <laughs> and he was vigorous. He's very young and vigorous. He, he was very vigorous, father. <laughs> she's panting. <laughs> anyway, now for some really, really, really good horse stunts. Yeah, oh god, it's just wild Yakima Canut style shit. So Alejandro goes to get on the horse, only as he's trying to get on the saddle, the horse just decides to leave without him <laughs> and rides off. He gets uh, knocked on his ass with a tree, and the horse is just like, yeah, that's that's a you problem. Bye! Yeah, meanwhile, all the soldiers see this great big black horse running through the woods, and they're like, Zoro must be on that horse! <laughs> and chase after it. <laughs> meanwhile, Zoro has to, like, catch up with them and, like, steal the rearmost guy's horse. And he basically does this whole sequence where he slowly works his way up the pack. It's so, and there's there are shots where it's very clearly not Antonio Banderas on that horse, but it's fine. Oh yeah, who gives a shit? He's taking out like soldier after soldier. Their horses are just still galloping along behind while slowly pulling back. At some point, he gets up to the front behind the lead guy who just looks back to realize everyone else is gone. It's just him and Zoro who is currently riding two horses. Yeah, he's got a foot on either saddle, and like this, I—that's a real guy. That's like that's a stunty on the back of that's a real guy riding two horses at once. This is not CGI. <laughs> Those horses are riding like pell mell right next to each other, and he's got a foot on each set. That is such good shit. <laughs> the balance. <laughs> these are very well trained horses too. Like yeah, holy shit, these are very good stunt horses. <laughs> So Alejandro successfully catches up with his own horse <laughs> and jumps on. Oh my god. At some point, there's another low-hanging branch that comes up that's at perfect height to, like, knock a guy off a horse. But, like, the stunt guy does a jump and, like, lands back where he was on the horses. He times it perfectly. Ah! And the guy behind him is not so lucky. No. He just gets a full woof with that branch and it gets knocked off and Antonio Banderas who has finally caught up with his own horse lets the other horse go gets on his horse and then rides off like ha ha <laughs> everything went just as Keikaku <laughs> I totally meant to do all of that <laughs> which you gotta admit Zoro did a very good job teaching Zoro how to at least have panache <laughs> Yes, if there's one thing he was able to sufficiently communicate. Meanwhile, back at the lair, Diego is like, okay, so you go handle the mine. I have my own plan. I have plans. I'm going to go do my thing with my daughter. I'm going to get my own revenge because Elena's my daughter. And Alejandra's like, I thought you were supposed to put the people's needs above your own. I drank my brother's head juice and you said I couldn't get revenge on the guy who put his head in a jar. This is bullshit. And Anthony Hopkins is just like, I'm Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> I can do what I want. I do what I want. Everything I do is going to have a quiet gravitas to it, and you just have to accept <laughs> that. And we cut back to the Hacienda where Don Rafael is like, okay, Santa Ana is definitely going to kill us dead. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely got to go blow up that mine now. We are super duper dead. 
Diego de la Vega shows up and he's like, hey, guess who's super duper dead? <laughs> it's you for stealing my baby. Now, go get said baby and let's set the record straight. So Captain Love goes off and gets her. And then Elena sees that her dad, the guy who raised her, the guy she knows as her dad, is being held at sword point by that nice servant that she talked to the other day. <laughs> She's like, holy shit. Diego de la Vega is like, all right, tell her who her father really is. And she's like, father? Dad? What, what's up? Yeah, Don Rafael tries to play it off. He's like, oh, yeah, this is just uh, some crazy guy who lost his daughter and is trying to steal you, but it's not going to work. <laughs> and then Elena's like, listen, I've been wearing some weird shit for the last couple of days, dude. <laughs> yeah. And then Don Rafael slips up and calls Diego de la Vega. And Elena's like, I heard that name recently. I know that name. The nanny, when she just met her randomly out in the very small town, was like, oh, yeah, I was your nanny. I used to hang like this specific flower above your crib every night. And so Elena brings that knowledge now. And she's like, my nanny used to hang something on my crib. What was it? And Diego starts to say it was fresh flowers. And that's when the guards <laughs> show up. Yeah. Don Rafael screams and like. Just you and me and my God. Chaos breaks out. And at some point, Elena's just like, listen, listen, please just put down the sword. Please just put down the sword, Diego. I'm going to break you out later, like one scene from now. But you got to put down the sword so you don't get shot. Can you chill out for a second? And he does. He puts the sword down and he's like, fresh flowers. And I believe the flower type is Romagna. I, I didn't quite catch that. Yeah, it's Romagna. It was Romagna, which was the flower that she said seemed so familiar when she arrived in Mexico earlier in the movie. You know, the one that only grows in California. <laughs> yeah. Baby memories, y'all. Then Diego turns to Don Rafael and just simply says, she knows. <laughs> <laughs> You're hosed. And then walks away with the guards. Your host, bud. You lost. <laughs> anyway, she breaks him out in the next scene. Yeah, like the very next scene. They throw him in a basement. They don't have a dungeon, because why would they? But they have like a cellar that they throw him into. And then just like within five seconds, Elena comes by and lets him out. <laughs> She's just like, I just had to go change into my final scene outfit. It looks slightly more action ready. <laughs> I'm still not wearing pants. God, no. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, absolutely not. Then we cut to the mine where the enslaved workers are loading up the gold under Captain Love's watch. Then they lock them all up into some cages. Hey, look, it's a bunch of suffering, subjugated people in a huge crowd. And oh, a cloaked figure uh, comes onto screen. Yes. I wonder who that could be. <laughs> What's that? Somebody looks up into his face and he's got a mask on and he puts <laughs> his finger to his lips and goes, shh. <gasps> Zoro's here. Zoro's here, you guys. <laughs> Zoro. Zoro, listen, we love a repeated beat when it's echoed for, like, dramatic effect. We love that shit. We love it. It's good shit. They have a whole bunch of fuses running into the mines that are basically going to blow the whole thing, and it'll take out all the enslaved people with it who are locked up in the cages. They load up a bunch of gold. There is some more gold that is being pulled up via a water wheel up above, but they've got a lot of it. They light the fuses. They're getting ready to head out. And oh wait, who's that running up into the mine? <laughs> it's Zoro. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> Love is like, oh, 
fuck's sake. He cuts the fuse, which is going to be relit later, so don't worry, we'll have that ticking clock back. But he chases after Zoro, who is up in the water wheel above the mine, gums it up, stops the lift from taking gold up. So there's that happening. And then Don Rafael sees Zoro, lines up a shot at him, but Diego de la Vega stops him with a sword because he's here and says Elena. Hooray! And now the old men have to sword fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we have we have Diego and his nemesis and Alejandro and his nemesis both having swords fights at the same time. It's extremely good. Meanwhile, Elena's like, hey, what about all those people in the cages? <laughs> There's a point where de la Vega is like, I'm going to kill you, Don Rafael. And Elena's like, no, and gets in the way of the killing blow. But then Don Rafael points a gun at Elena. And he's like, ah, put your sword down. And Diego drops the sword. And then Don Rafael is like, you really think I would kill my own child? And then tries to kill De La Vega. And Elena's like, no. <laughs> She's having a very stressful day. <laughs> she just keeps getting in the way of her two dads trying to kill each other. <laughs> And then she's like, okay, well, that's not working very well. And I'm the only one here without a nemesis. I guess I should probably go save people. There are three cages and she's got a pistol with two shots in it. So she managed to shoot two of the locks. So it's bashing the third with the butt of the pistol. At which point Alejandro shows up and it's like, haha, let me help you because he has just won his sword fight. Yeah, he slashed an M in love's cheek. And he's like, M for Murrieta. And then stabs him through the chest. Which is great because the stabbing through the chest pretty much happens right after Love is like, oh, you're doing so well. Your brother would have shot himself by now. Which is Ooh. like, hey, f*** you, actually. Just a very good burn. I have to give it to him. Ugh. You do not, <laughs> under any circumstances, simply gotta hand it to this man. <laughs> anyway, he's now impaled on a sword and having a bad time about it. Yeah, he is definitely near death, but meanwhile, upstairs in the old man fight, they're still at it. But then there's this interesting moment where they're right next to a big wagon full of gold. One of the horse's tack gets cut. So there's just like a horse has run away. Both of the horses are gone, but there's definitely some like ropes and tack and everything here. And De La Vega gets Don Rafael's foot tangled up in it. And then the wagon starts rolling down into the mine and it's full of gold. Gold is heavy. Gold is very heavy. So Don Rafael gets dragged screaming to his death over the cliff. Meanwhile, the gold wagon is plummeting down towards Captain Love, who is kneeling there stabbed with a sword, who screams and also gets obliterated by a bunch of tons of falling gold. Which is, you know... It's very clean. <laughs> it's clean. It's ironic. It's really everything that you need here. Yep. But also there are fuses racing and there's going to be a big explosion because it's that kind of movie. So maybe let's get all the people out first. And during the course of the fight, Alejandro did take his mask off so that, you know, love would know it was him. He knew. <laughs> yeah. And he now has his mask off and he shows up to help Elena and she's like, oh, OK, that 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 clears up a lot of things for me. That's good. I was worried there for a second. <laughs> There were several men running around who look a lot like you that I was into. And okay, okay, there one one person, one person. Okay, good. Yeah, the, you are definitely not my dad. Uh, I think we're okay. 
they get off a few of the fuses, but then we cut to the e- enormous explosion in this mindset. And man, that thing is huge. Most of these people must be dead. Like the, it is shot in such a way where it doesn't feel like they had enough time to, you know, get away from that because it's a big explosion. A big gasoline explosion, huge fireball. They even dub some like wildcat noises okay, over top. Thank you. Okay, good. That wasn't just me. They were definitely yeah, no, like definitely some kitty noises in there. Yeah, there are so many just, like, big cat noises going like, wow, wow, wow. It's a big explosion. They really went all out in making it look dramatic. Oh, they had a lot of fun with that one. But then the smoke starts to clear, and Zoro and Elena and all of the enslaved people are just casually walking out of the mine. They're fine. They got out okay. Don't worry about it. Zoro's even carrying that one child we did some close-up shots of. You know, just to reestablish the stakes. We're fine. Everybody's totally fine. Except Zoro, who did get stabbed mortally during that sword fight. Yeah, he got stabbed so many times. (laughs) And he's old and he got super stabbed a lot. (laughs) So he's dying. But it's okay because his daughter's here and and she knows he's her dad. And he's like, yes, I will always love you. And and, oh, here's um, here, here, take my hand. And then I'm going to take this guy's hand and put your hands together. You two should definitely fuck. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) goodbye (laughs) again very neat very tidy he gets time to do everything that that the narrative needs him to do before he dies (laughs) and then actually it turns out this was going to be the end of the movie there but they decided that was too much of a bummer so like they did some reshoots to add this little coda here at the end you can tell it's a reshoot yeah yeah, you really can. There's a, there's a green screen sunset there. <laughs> yeah. We cut to a voiceover as Alejandro is telling a story about Diego de la Vega Zorro's death to a little baby who is named Joaquin. <laughs> and, you know, it's a cute little repeat of the initial sequence where he's telling the story to baby Elena. And grown up Elena is here and she's like, this is a terrible story. What are you doing? You're swashbuckling with some flowers. What's up, my man? (laughs) And then they make out a little bit and they coo over their baby. And then he walks off into the sunset, declaring that whenever he's needed, Zorro will be there. And then the door closes. But then we do a quick Z cut into the credits. Because, like, this is directed by a guy who directed Bond movies. Yeah, he knows what you're here for. So there's the big Z cut. And then, uh, oh, right. It's a 90s movie. We need a fucking power ballad. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) To, like, the tune of the main theme. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure the theme existed first in, like, the soundtrack. We've got, like, a leitmotif here. And then they put words to it. God, I wish more movies had power ballads at the end. Really? Yes, I like that. I mean, Uh, I don't think the songs are good, but I think the vibe is excellent. Okay, I'll give you the vibe. Yeah. 
There's just something about like, you watch a really dramatic movie and then at the end you hear that theme that you know and there's some like mediocre ballad singer over top of it. And you're like, I don't like this song very much, but this is an exceptional experience I'm having right now. <laughs> you just need that little cool down. Yeah. Ugh, that's Mask of Zorro. There's a second one that called Legend of Zorro. It's not very good. You can ignore it. <laughs> so the second one, did that have Zorro and Elena sword fighting on like on top of a of, of a parapet or something? I believe so, yes. Okay. So I've never actually seen this movie then. I saw this I saw the second one once. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this was your first time watching this. Yeah, so I spent this whole movie being like, wasn't there like a sword fight over a parapet? I'm waiting for like Elena to do a lot more sword fighting and she doesn't? Yeah, no, you're you're remembering the, a different movie. You're remembering the sequel. Okay, great. So this definitely was my first time seeing this movie. Excellent. Yeah, the whole premise of Legend of Zorro is that what if Zorro was a bad husband and father, which is like a never- Never a good premise for a movie where you already like the main character. Oh, why do we keep doing this as a culture? Why do we keep just saying, what if this character that we like was a bad father? Because we don't know how to create drama for a character unless their parents were bad because everyone who writes movies is from California. Hmm. Hmm. And also, you know, sometimes we're the guy that makes Naruto. <laughs> <laughs> Also that. And sometimes you're just a shitty turf. Anyway, <laughs> so that was this movie. What, a, what an experience. <laughs> uh. There is just like a certain vibe in a lot of like these big swashbuckler 90s movies that like you just don't quite get these days where you have two action characters who are here for like a family movie who are also extremely horny for each other. <laughs> and there's a lot of hot people in it. And now I want to go watch The Mummy again. <laughs> yeah rs benedict a little while ago did an essay called uh, everyone is beautiful and no one is horny which is just basically about how like weirdly like simultaneously like physically ex exceptional and sexless a lot of like modern action stars are shown to be it's very good you should read it but also like i can't stop thinking about that whenever i watch a movie like this where like yes Everyone is beautiful and horny. They are beautiful in ways that facilitate the horniness. And also we have action sequences that aren't weirdly flimsy and weightless because there's actual people doing them instead of like CG models in a green void. <sighs> I did enjoy this one. I feel like just 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 thinking about this movie, I feel like we've definitely proved the idea that uh, that swashbuckler movies must be introduced to the wild. We need some more swashbuckling. We need actual swashbuckling and not like, you know... Fencing with green sticks in a green void, please. I mean, like, actual swashbuckling with, like, real stunt guys who are unionized and you have to pay properly. Speaking of which, I actually saw an article yesterday as of this recording, so that's topical. So there were a whole bunch of projects recently canned over at CW, which, you know, can kind of be for the best. One of them was, like, their Powerpuff Girls show. Or, oh, thank you know, God. <laughs> yeah, well, here's the other thing. At, at the very bottom of the article, they listed a whole bunch of other things that were canned. And one of them was Robert Rodriguez, who had been working on a Zorro show for the CW with a female lead taking up the mantle of Zorro. Interesting. So that was canned. I feel like if he's really in favor of that concept, he will find somebody else to make it for him. I just... I want Robert Rodriguez to give me a Lady Zorro. I want I want to see a Lady Zorro fight in a Zorro outfit. I would I would like that, please. <laughs> we believe in you, Robert. Please, Robert. Please.
Please, Robert. You made El Mariachi with the $3,000 you got off a drug trial. We believe in you and your ability to get this made. I mean, this dude's just been making, like, the most fun, like, Latino actor projects that he possibly could as, like, a career at this point, basically. That's his whole shtick. And I just think that maybe he should just be allowed to make Zorro, finally. (laughs) He's been waiting. He's been waiting for, like, 30 years. Let him make a Zorro. Is that your final fact? Let Robert Rodriguez make a Zorro? (laughs) No, it is not. Okay. But it is time for our final facts. Kit, what's your final fact? Uh, Unionized labor makes better movies. (laughs) Very true. Mac, what's your final fact? A nobleman is nothing but a man who says one thing and thinks another, and I think more people should bring that to their D&D characters. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Annie, what's your final fact? More bisexual sword fights, please, 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 please. I am begging you, please. I need someone to tip the chin up with the end of the sword and look them down the blade and smolder. And I need it so much more often than most visual media is giving it to me these days. I can't just keep going to fanfic for this. I just, please. You heard Annie, everybody. I'm so thirsty for bisexual sword fights. I'm not alone. Okay, that's me just putting the secret out into the universe. (laughs) You're just trying to manifest that. I'm just trying to manifest more bisexual sword fights in movies for me personally. So that's going to do it for us this time. Uh, Join us next time with Mac. What do we have coming up? We'll be watching the mini series 10th Kingdom and discussing how to properly parody something. You have to actually like it, which I think 10th Kingdom does. I'm just going to spoil that so people don't think I hate 10th Kingdom. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. I know that there's some people who have been very excited about the prospect of a 10th kingdom. So this one's for y'all. It's also very much for me. I have the book adaption and the whole miniseries on DVD. I love it. Oh, man. I remember I had a friend who had that in high school and she had the VHS collection and it just took up an entire wall. The book is so much hornier than the show. Ooh, okay. It would be, yes. That's going to be fun. All right. So join us next time for the 10th kingdom. In the meantime... I Will Fight You comes out every five weeks. You can find us wherever you download podcasts. We are edited by Lucas Brown of The Math of You. He's my friend and I love him. (laughs) If you would like to support us, you can do that with a like, a rating, a review, subscribe, whatever. Come talk to us on social media, wherever the hell that is. We are on Twitter at CRC Podcasts. We have a Discord. We have a Tumblr. But most importantly, we have a website that is crookedrussiancam.horse or .gay, where you can find out information about this show as well as our others. If you want to support us with dollars, you can do that at patreon.com slash thegemjam. For I Will Fight You, you can get early episodes and access to our show notes. There are tons of goodies on there for our other shows as well. Gem Jammer and Damie Damn It. That's everything. Did I do it? I think you did it. Also, I mentioned a couple of episodes ago that I got into an anthology called The Devil Who Loves Me. Uh, By the time this episode comes out, that should be out now. So you can go to grendelpress.com to get a copy of the anthology. It's got my story, Move Fast and Break Things, about a guy with cosmic brain fungus who gets involved in a mission to rescue someone from a billionaire. And there's a bunch of other really good stories in there as well. It is a dark romance anthology about monster love interests. So I feel like the target demographic for this podcast and that anthology might have a bit of overlap. Excellent. Join us next time when we talk about the 10th Kingdom and loving something in order to properly parody it.
Until then, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And we have fought you. I Will Fight You comes out every five, five or six weeks. Five weeks. Five weeks. We are edited by, uh, no, not Jake Mason. Jesus Christ, what am I doing today? Uh, how are you doing, Annie?